And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. Welcome, everybody. It is another edition of the Weighing In Podcast, edition number 97. We are getting close to edition number 100. Who would have thunk that we'd actually make it to 100 talking to each other? But... We are going to talk about the Bellator that is coming up with Darian Caldwell against A.J. McKee trying to move on to win $1 million because the next round is the big money. We got the UFC coming up. We got Mike Tyson taking on Roy Jones Jr. coming up also. We could talk about that. Whatever else you want to talk about. What's up? I'm surprised that you made it this long, almost a, over, a little over a year, talking to me every single week. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I'm yeah. surprised. Can you just imagine? Podcast Dave has been dealing with me for what six years now? Yeah. A little over, maybe. That's Man. what. That's why Scotch was made. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <Yes. laughs> that's why there's a it half open be. bottle in the in the studio right now. Uh, it's, not, it's more than a half open bottle. It's a half drunk bottle. <laughs> You know, it must be cold in the studio back where you're at because you got your hands in your front pocket there. Either that yeah. or you're doing something we don't even want to know yeah. about, man. <laughs> Trust me, you don't. You got you got to stay off the Pornhub, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, that porn will get to you, man. Yeah. People are addicted. Now podcast Dave. Yes. That's it's bound right. to happen to you. Por- keep flirting with it. Pornhub Dave. That's my new handle. Pornhub <laughs> Dave. There it is, man. <laughs> Oh, geez. Oh, man. All right. Well, hey, let's get right into it. Let's talk this weekend's fights. Come on, man. Here. Okay. (laughs) Before we get into the main event, because that's that obviously to me, that's going to be an amazing fight. And then you also got the Keith Lee and uh, Rafael Rafael Stotts. That's going to be a great fight. fight. But here's the fight that I think is the one that everyone should be kind of paying attention to. Because it is one of those fights that just it kind of just kind of boggles my mind a little bit. Benson Henderson versus Jason Jackson. And I got to I got to say I listened to Jason Jackson in the interviews. I talked with him this morning again in another interview when I interviewed him there and he he kind of has the belief that I believe and I, I'm a big fan of Benson Henderson. I fought him. I understand how good he is. I understand what he's capable of, what he's capable of coming off of a loss. Yep. And then fighting someone like Jason Jackson who is long hits hard and is now has this mindset of like, Hey, I finally got through my new, my old contract. I'm into bigger money. I'm happy. I'm, I know that the, what the focus is now. I just got to focus on getting more finishes. He's had great fights. What he'd have like a, he'd, he'd be what an eight fight win streak. Had he not lost that very controversial decision to, um, well, he lost the, a, a decision to Ed Ruth. He did not lose that fight. He won that fight. The other loss that he has, is he went to the Dana White's uh, contender series mm-hmm. and he throws a kick and he broke his ankle. So it's just bad luck. Yeah. You know, there's nothing you can do about that. That's part of the sport. Injuries happen. You know, you could get hurt anytime. You could break something. That's, it is what it is. It's called bad luck. But the Ed Ruth fight, if you're going back to that fight, you know, we talked about he knocked Ed Ruth down multiple times yes. in that fight. Now, Ed Ruth was shooting for takedowns based upon survival. I got to get this guy down because if I don't, I'm going to get knocked out. And unfortunately, the judges did not see that the way it actually should have. At least in my opinion, it was definitely two rounds to one. Jason Jackson won that fight, but he uh, he lost a split decision. That's what happens when it goes to the judges. And sometimes, you know, 
to, to sit here and say, oh, don't let it go to the judges. It's hard to get rid of a really good fighter, you know, and so it happens, but he had that. But the part that I'm impressed with, he never let that fight where he knew, both of them knew. When they went back, you know, I won that fight. Never let it stop him. Took a fight last week's yes. notice, six days notice, to go to Hawaii and fight. And this is a guy in Jason Jackson. This is this is what impresses me so much about him. Not only his fighting and the way he goes about fighting. He, as a man, as a father, as someone that go gets up every morning, six o'clock in the morning, goes out, has a business, works his business, does all kinds of different things in the community as far as, you know, He's got, you know, he wash cars, he cuts trees, he does all this stuff, then goes and trains, then goes and takes care of his kids. You know what? You got to love Jason Jackson. He is a class individual. He's a great fighter, and he's just a hardworking some bitch. No, I agree with you on all those things, but I wasn't even really getting into that. I'm glad you did that. But the issue is, is that for me, this is not a fight that I can see anyway that Benson wins this fight. And coming off of a loss, I don't I don't see a way that he gets the win against Jason Jackson. Jason Jackson has proven when he fought Ed Ruth and against uh, Jordan Meehan's, like he's proven he can stop takedowns. He's proven that he's a tough fight for anyone. Yeah. And I want people to understand this is if you guys don't believe me how good he is, go back and look at with all the separation of people saying, oh, UFC guys are really good. And go, go <laughs> no, no, go and look at the fight. Go and look at the training. He has with Luke Rockhold, who's a good friend of mine. I know how damn good Luke is, you know, on the feet. And sure, Luke's had some losses or whatever in the UFC. But at two at one eighty five and two hundred five, Luke has fought at. Jason Jackson fights at one seventy. And you look at the the exchanges and some of their sparring. You look at the way that you can tell that they work together. And this isn't the first time. But you go on YouTube and you take a look at that video. It shows you Jason Jackson stood toe to toe with Luke. And they got after each other, and it was a good. There was a good exchange. In this. Now I know I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to base a lot off of training, obviously, but I'm just saying you have a guy that's 170 pounds versus a guy who's 185 pounds that was a former UFC world champion and has fought at 205. He's a big guy for that weight. Jason Jackson, is huge, huge guy. J yeah, Rockhold is big yes. for 185. Maybe not as big for 205, but 185 he is. But Jason Jackson though is a big guy for 170. Very. And big. now you put you put. Benson Henderson, who many people for the longest time thought that Benson Henderson was a big guy for 155. He was never big. He's got big legs. legs. He's got a small waist. His shoulders are kind of big. When I fought him and when I, when I weighed in against, across from him, I had heard all this talk about how big he was. He is not physically big. And the other thing is, well, I will say he is not physically strong either. Okay. He's got, he's got like those thudding type kicks. Physically strong in the clinch, in the on the ground, any of those things, he is not. So to think that he's going to go out there and out wrestle and out strength Jason Jackson to get to these positions, not to mention Jason Jackson is way longer than him, not by a little bit, oh, no, but by a lot, probably eight inch reach advantage. And, yeah, I would. I, I don't know the actual stats, so I think I'm it's not eight inches. Say, but it's 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 a you can tell by the when they weighed in today, the length of the arms, the how the height of of Jason Jackson. I don't see as much as I'm a, as much as I'm a Benson Henderson fan. I don't see how he wins this fight. I will tell you this: if you go back, and this is what people don't remember because it really didn't matter to him. Benson, when you know Benson lost his lightweight title, mm -hmm. and he lost it to Sergio Pettis, and he had a couple of fights, and he lost a couple of fights at lightweight after that fight. 
lost to Donald Cerrone, in fact. And then you look and you know, because he had a couple of wins against Donald, mm-hmm. but he went up to welterweight. Okay, and he Brandon had multiple Thatch. wins. He first one was Brandon Thatch, who was huge. Yes, enormous. Okay, very big. You know, as far as 170 pound class, he went up and he got a win against Brandon Thatch, and then he got a win against George Masvidal. Ah, at 170, people don't remember that fight. That was, that was his. That was his exiting fight out of the UFC. Was a win over Masvidal. Then he came to Bellator and went for the 170 pound title against Andre Korshkov. And that was Just, not. That was a horrible, was horrible. ugly fight. That was a very ugly. Benson fight. was. He was fighting the whole day. survival mode, man. He yeah. was he was just trying to survive in the fight because the length gave him problems along with the wrestling ability and the striking ability of Korshkov. So, you know, Benson's been there before. He knows what he's up against, and I, I give him credit for taking this fight. But I look at it and I go, it didn't make sense to me why he would take this fight against Jason Jackson. You know, it really didn't because he's coming off of a loss to Michael Chandler. I thought he was looking great when he yeah. was fighting in that first round against. He was doing the right things to get a win against someone like Chandler, but he got caught with a shot. You know, Chandler switched stance, hit him with a left hand. He really didn't see it, caught him kind of behind the ear, and that, that put him down and got finished. But, man, you're stepping right back into that shark tank yeah. because Jason Jackson – now we talk about fighters and levels, and this is all about levels. And when I when I when I talk about levels, Josh, I'm talking about look when you start fighting, you know, you just get on a card and you're the first fight of the night. There's there's pressure involved in that fight based upon that's your first fight, and then you move up the ranks as far as where you are on the bout sheet, and it becomes more pressure as you move up. Then you finally get to the point you're 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 fighting. And you make the main card. You're the first fight on the main card. And then you get yourself into the position where you're the co-main event. And then you'll get into where you're the main event fighter. And then you're going to get in positions where you're the championship fight. Well, Benson's been through all of those. Jason Jackson has not. But he has gotten to that point. Now, he is co-main fighter. And he has worked his way to these points. But he has had so many experiences that have brought him to the level where He's going to look at, at Benson Henderson means nothing to him. He doesn't care that Benson Henderson was the WEC champion. He doesn't care that he was a UFC champion. All he sees, and I've talked to him about this, he sees someone that wants to take something away that I need to bring to my family. And Jason Jackson, right at this moment, is fighting as good as he has ever fought. He's on a hot streak. He is a He's a load for anyone. And if you look at his last fight against Jordan Mean, Jordan Mean I have known since he was a child. He is a freaking stud. He is so hard to fight. He inside fights. He's got beautiful phone book fighting. He hits with elbows. Jason Jackson systematically took him apart in that fight. Put him on his butt with power. Jason's got he's got a beautiful jab. He's got power in his right hand. He can hurt you with knees. This is a dangerous, dangerous fight for Benson Henderson. I agree with you. Well, not only is it a dangerous fight, but then now here's the thing. It's like Jason Jackson had said. Like I was really just fighting to get through the fights, not wanting to take too many chances because he knew one mess up and he could potentially lose, I'm assuming, some sort of win bonus or something along those lines. He had just basically said, like, now you're going to see somebody else. You're going to see a different fighter, someone trying to get that finish. Sure, I'm going to still do what I do. I'm not going to force anything. 
but you're going to see someone who really aggressively atta- uh, chases the finish. And I don't know if that means on the feet. I don't know if that means on the ground. I don't know what that means. That just simply means that he's going to try to actively, actively pursue a finish versus before he was like, look, I'm touching you enough, you know, and eventually I'm going to get you and get you out of here. I mean, he, there was moments in the Ed Ruth fight. He almost got him out of there. Oh, yeah. You know, and like you said, Ed was shooting for, for desperation doubles, trying to get to the takedown. Benson had the very similar problem when he fought Korshkov. And here's the other thing as I, I want to get into is that Korshkov doesn't have the stand-up of Jason Jackson. Jason Jackson's stand-up, I think, to me, is better. The wrestling is not better. No. Jason Jackson's wrestling is not better than Korshkov's. No way. Korshkov's got a little bit more confidence in like throwing kind of crazier stuff. Like he'll throw flying knees. Oh, he loves he'll the, throw the spinning, spinning stuff, kick. the spinning hill kick and those type of things. But that's really like a distance and range finder to try to make someone potentially take you down or get you close enough to where I can take you down because he knows that his wrestling is good. Jason Jackson will not be trying to take him down. Jason Jackson will be using no. his length and his reach and his distance and his timing to touch Benson on the chin. And coming off of a knockout just, what, five, six weeks ago, and now back in here already, he called up Mike Kogan and Rich Chow and said, hey, I'm ready to fight. Get me back on that roll. I need to get back on. I need to get this, this nasty taste out of my mouth, and I'm ready to go. Look, Ben has, Benson has proved me wrong a couple times. <laughs> I, and and you, can, you never know. You know that if he, gets, if he can get Jackson off of his feet, be in the top position, Benson can definitely win the fight. He can see, he can pull off a submission. I'm not saying that Jackson's yeah. easy to submit, but Benson has that skill set. He has the ability. If you're looking at this fight on the feet, it's not a good fight for Benson. He has got to get this fight on the ground. It's the same. It, to me, it's the same setup as his fight against Korishkov. If he can't get Jackson to the ground like he was unable to get Korishkov really to the ground and keep him there, it's going to be a hard, hard night. But, John, let's not forget, where does this fight start every single round? On the feet. Yeah, it does. Okay, and that's my thing. That's the one thing I'm going to continue to go back to. Jason Jackson's good enough on the ground to potentially stall him out if he gets taken down in one of those rounds. Well, if, if anybody's game plan anytime they fought Jason Jackson is real simple. Yeah. Get him off of his feet. I need to take this guy down. I don't want to be in the stand-up with him. He's too dangerous. He's too long. He's got the, he's got these elements that make him to the point where that's not something I want to do. Let me get him off his feet. If you're Benson in his camp, what's your game plan? Get him off of his feet. I don't know. Listening to Benson talk in the in the fighter meetings, it was what? It's like, you know what? I've been working on some new things on my stand-up. Yeah. I, I know I felt like I was doing well against Chandler, and, and it didn't work out. But you know what? I was changing it up, and I was putting the pressure, and, and you know, I've got some new tricks up my sleeve when I, on the feet. I, that's not what I really want to hear from someone. Well, that's because he's working with Rob Emerson and he's got some th- you know little things that they've been working on and he feels good about him and that's good. But to think that all those things are going to work out but, in the fight. But let's t- let's take it a step further though, John. And I know, I know we're talking about Ben and Jason Jackson for a while here, but I want you guys oh, to well. hear. Here's the thing: is you have Kamaru Usman who is at. Sanford Health or Sanford MMA, Sanford Health. Well, Sanford it was MMA, Sanford Health. It was Sanford, Sanford <laughs> MMA, and then you've got Logan Dorino, Storley. You got Gilbert uh, Dorino. You got him there as well, Gilbert Burns, and you've got Logan Storley. He's trained with the best, a lot of really, really good wrestlers. Oh, yes. Some of the best wrestlers in the game yeah, right they've, now. They've made him a very good defensive wrestler. Yes, and then he's very good at being a defensive wrestler, like you just said. And then when he gets to the ground, are you trying to tell me that Gilbert, that Benson Henderson is better than Gilbert Burns? I'm not saying you're trying to tell me that. I'm just simply saying, I just. 
if you put all those puzzles together, Jason Jackson has seen everything that Benson Henderson's going to throw at him. You know, there might be a couple little hill strikes against the fence, and maybe they don't use it, Sanford MMA. But I mean, look, as much as I want to wish Benson the best, oh, this, yeah. this is one of those fights that I am. When they, when they called you, you should have been, eh, maybe I'll, I'll wait until December. You know, or do you got anybody, you know, anybody in 155? Anybody in 155? I like 155. I'm cool with the 170, but let's just not get to that level. Like, you know, honestly, I would, I could say this. I wouldn't have minded to see the the Ed Ruth and Benson Henderson fight. That's a fight to me that makes so, you know, Jason Jackson is just so tall, so long. He's, he's used to, after watching him fight Jordan Means, I'm like, damn, he can stop a takedown. Not like he stop a takedown. He can make you pay. And he knows how he's finally coming into his own. You can tell he's feeling it right now. And when people are feeling it, that confidence level is through the roof. And he just exudes it in the interviews that we do with him now as well. And so I'm happy for both of them. Uh, I'm I'm happy mainly for Jason Jackson because, I mean, but Ben's got got his work cut out. Ben's got his hands full. He's got his hands full for this fight. But he's, you know, you can never count him out of a fight. No, he's that. He's got that mentality. That's he's true. got the belief in himself, and he's got the talent. Yeah. He's a talented guy. Now, everything you're saying is right, but he did come up with one element in MMA that is incredibly effective and and universally used now. Benson Henderson's the guy you're going to look and say, who really came up and started utilizing that calf kick? It was Benson Henderson being one of those guys. It was guys. George Masvidal first. Well, Masvidal was in there too, but, but Benson was the guy that kind of made it a little bit popular. Jason Jackson, a lot of times when he's facing a guy that he feels wants to take him down, spreads his legs out a little bit. That front leg's a little heavy. It's out there. We'll see if Benson can take advantage of that and maybe uh, bruise it up. I guess we'll see. This is why we fight the fight. This is what this makes is it, it fun. This is what makes it really fun. It doesn't matter what the hell we say. Yeah, they're going to go there and, and Don't fight tell them that. That's that what they're watching that. for. They <laughs> care what we say. Truth. Calm down. Just Jesus. the truth. <laughs> Dial it back. Dial it back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, look. Let's get right into the H.J. McKee, who's basically, what, 16-0? 16-0. 25 years of age. 25 years old. Number one on the ESPN, under 25. Yep, under 25. Number one fighter, under 25. Highly... Uh, not just highly, highly skilled, ranked, highly skilled, highly talented. Every, here's the one thing we we uh, talked with him this week, or we talked to him earlier this week, and it really comes down to he went out to Big Bear this this camp. He was up there with Joey Davis. He was up there with uh, Baby Slice. He was up there with all those guys. They had their full camp up there. Got away from all the LA scene and every, all the distractions and everything that comes with living in LA. And he seems like a lot more. Mature. Sure. There you go. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys a little perspective here. Look, when I was 24 and 25 years old, I said a lot of the right things. But when it came down to actually doing the right things, it was way (laughs) different. Now, look, AJ may be a lot different than me. Okay, but here, you get the win. You're in the finals now. You're one fight away from winning a million dollars. Are you the same guy? Are you really mature? Or is it just a persona that you're putting on? As much as I love AJ McKee, at 25 years old, I hope it's not a persona because here he's got the he's got the world at his fingertips right now. Well, but it's that's within his reach. It's within his reach. And that's when shit tends to go wrong if you're not mature. And so, John, do I do I think he has the potential to be probably one of the best featherweights ever in the world? Yes. Can he do it? Can he continue to do it? We will see. I think he's got to get 
past Darian Caldwell. And Darian, I think if anyone's going to beat AJ, Darian's got the remedy for it. He's got the wrestling. He's got the ability to get the submission. He's got the ability to put AJ McKee on his back at any moment at any time. But it is a five-round fight, even though it's not for the title, because everyone is fighting five rounds you know, in the tournament now because Patricio has to fight five rounds. So to make it even and across the board, AJ and Darian will be fighting five rounds. Now, we have seen Darian not be the same fighter in the fourth and the fifth round. AJ McKee has yet to get to the fourth and the fifth round. <laughs> so a lot of this is the unknown. It really is. A lot of it is the unknown. Well, it's the unknown, but let's, let's talk about what is known. All right, because that's really where you're going to take a look at AJ McKee, because this is AJ I've known since he was yay big, you know, and uh, been friends with his dad for a long time. And first off, it's the mentality that he comes from, the background that he comes from based upon his dad. All right, he, he has been groomed to be a fighter his entire life. But that doesn't mean he's mature in it, like you're saying. And it doesn't mean that he hasn't made mistakes. He absolutely has. And it doesn't mean that he's done everything right. But I can go and look at specific things about him. Let's go with, all right, let's talk about his power. Does he have power at 145 pounds? Absolutely. He's got one punch knockout power. We've and head kick it. power. Yeah, we've seen he's it. got head kick ability. He's got the full gamut when it comes to his striking ability. Big word, by the way. <laughs> Full, everything there is, he can he can pull off. He's good with elbows. He's good with his punches. His kicks are fast and they're very effective. So when you take a look at power, he's got power. He's got the ability to put you away, not only with volume, but with just that one shot. Let's talk about his wrestling because he has lived off of his wrestling. Here's the only guy, in my opinion, that AJ as a fighter looking at his opponent will go, yeah, he's got better credentials than I have. He's a better wrestler. It's the first guy that I think you can really look at and say, this guy can put AJ on his back where other guys really, it's AJ making a mistake. So you look and you say, okay, he's got good wrestling though. His submission game, his submission game's outstanding. Now Caldwell has some submissions, submission victories, mostly chokes. We're talking about rear naked chokes, guillotine chokes. AJ's the full gamut. I don't give you a damn against what it is. And smart about, like with Campos, he looks and says, you know, he learned a lesson in the Campos fight. He thought he could break Derek Campos just with pressure <laughs> and throwing shots and make it learn. Campos, I don't want to be part, be in this ring. And it's like, you may beat a guy, but it doesn't mean you're going to break the guy. Yeah. And Campos is that guy you don't break. All right. He's tough. And I, but I think, again, AJ learned something there. But when you look at what AJ has done as far as the submissions and the way he's pulled them off, he can pull off a submission from anywhere. He can go after legs. He can go after arms. He can go after shoulders. He can go after the neck. He, it's, he's not limited. So you look at that. Then you look at the conditioning part. I think when AJ fought Brian Moore in Ireland, Dublin, Ireland, didn't train, and as you would be the perfect person to tell people, how important was your cardiovascular conditioning to you when you fought? That's pretty much what I lived off. Everything. Yeah. Because you didn't want to be in that miserable fucking position of being exhausted and knowing I have a round and a half left. 
to fight here and my arms, I can't move them. My legs are heavy. I, no one wants to be in that position. That's the position that AJ was in and luckily got himself out with a submission win, but learned from it and talked about going up to Big Bear. He says, John, I'm in the best condition I have ever been in. I promise you, I am going to push the pace on Darian Caldwell because if there's one weakness I've seen in Darian, he gets tired. So if I can exploit it, that's what I'm going to do. And you look and you go, that's a mature fighter. That's that's fighter IQ. That's smart. You're taking a look at where's the weakness in my opponent. Well, it's not in his wrestling. His striking is good. He's got some dynamic striking at time. Not a ton of power, more volume compared to what AJ has. He's got the submission game more based upon strangles and and most you know neck submissions. Not a whole lot with the arm or leg. It's not something he has to worry about. But he's 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 taken those times when he has shown. Yeah, you've got a flaw. And he's learned from that flaw. He's fixed the flaw and he's moved on. AJ McKee is going to be around in this sport for a long time with a whole lot of wins coming his way. Yeah, I'm not doubting that at all. I think a lot of what you said, though, was you sounded like the teacher from Charlie Brown when you started talking. (laughs) (laughs) No, it really just comes down to I think he learned a lot from the Campos fight. And the Campos fight was he came out guns blazing, not only just trying to break him, but trying to show his dominance. The hype around him was real. And everyone just kept feeding into it. I think he started to, started to read sure. his own headlines, which is common for a 24 and 25 well, year When old. you're 24 years old yeah. and, you're and you're undefeated, undefeated and you have a fight you're coming off of that was an eight-second knockout, yeah. all right, and now you're in the next round against a guy that you know there's nowhere that guy's better than me. Yeah. But ended up being a very good fight. And in that, that he tore his knee up. And he tore his knee up in that fight, which I think in that reality of like, hey, I almost lost the chance at a million dollars for not taking it serious or maybe just thinking I was better than I was and just going out there trying to fight a fight that I shouldn't have been trying to fight. Those are all things that add up into being mature. And I think hopefully we're going to see the more mature AJ McKee because here's the issue is that Darian Caldwell, despite whatever we may talk about, his conditioning, his what you know, his. I don't uh, think it's his conditioning. I don't. I don't you, think you he, go back to this. You think it's the weight, the weight, the weight cut? Absolutely. I think. And I think one forty-five is Darian Caldwell's weight. This is what I think. I think though, too, when you go down to thirty-five that many times, you get tired, and you go up to forty-five. The fact is, is you still mentally believe that you're going to get tired in the fourth and the fifth, and it's not going to go away overnight. So that's my also. That's my thought process as well. When he gets into the third round and he hasn't finished AJ McKee yet. Is he going to start to clam up? Is he going to start to use a little bit more adrenaline because he thinks he's got to get him out of there? He's going to continue to get tired. We've seen guys in the past always go like, oh, shit, fourth, fifth round. I need to slow down. Like They're trying to if conserve you energy. you have the fear that you are going to get tired, you're going to get tired. And that's what scares me yeah, about. That's what scares me about. It's one of the things that we, you know, we talk. Douglas Lima always, I always feared getting tired. I always feared it. I wouldn't do as much because I, I, I didn't want to be tired in the, in the cage. It's like. Finally got to the point, he goes, just go. He goes, you won't get tired. And that's what Darian has to do. Darian has to believe in the fact that I've done the things that I need to do. He is a what we call a fast-twitch muscle fiber athlete. Yes. And you know, he, you can go back and watch his, his collegiate wrestling career and look at what he did in the opening periods when he was wrestling at the NC2A. He was tearing dudes up. Yep. And but the third if, he, round. if he couldn't get the pin... He'd be way up on points. 
but he'd start to slow down mm-hmm. because he's a fast twitch muscle fiber athlete. It's the same as, you know, guys like BJ Penn. You know, everyone thought, oh, BJ doesn't train. You knew he trained. Yeah. He trained hard. He was a fast twitch muscle fiber athlete. He also did some other things that probably well, didn't BJ help just with that. Pick, he picked and choose which fights he trained hard yes. for sometimes. But it's the matter of some guys just have bigger gas tanks, you know? And if you can keep someone revving at that RPM that is hard for them, then they're going to end up falling off the cliff. They're going to end up blowing that engine up. Darren's one of those guys. He has to be in control of the pace of the fight. If he's in control of the pace of the fight, he can go the five rounds. He's already proved that. It's when he's not in control and he's having to work harder than he wants to work. We've seen then he starts to worry about and then he starts to clam up. He'll, he'll get a takedown, but he'll just hold on and he won't do any damage. And he's wondering why he's not winning the fight when he's holding while his opponent's sitting there striking at him. doesn't matter if you're on top. You've got to be the guy doing more damage. Yeah. AJ has made it clear that he is never going to give him a moment to rest. And then, and that's a smart game plan. We're going to see if he actually follows through with it. But yeah. I believe he will. If he went up to Big Bear, he spent time up there with Joey Davis and Baby Slice and all the other people that he brought up there with him for his training camp. The reality is going to set in in the third and fourth round when Darian's possibly on top of him in his guard and just trying to hold him like you're talking about. Now, look, here's a lot of things is that AJ McKee can turn his back for one second to get up and this fight could be over. Yep. And we saw that with Adam Borch, but there was so much hype around Adam Borch as well. When, when Darian came in, I was like, Ooh, Adam Borch had never lost ever in boxing, kickboxing and MMA in his amateur MMA or his pro MMA. He had never lost. This was his first loss in all of combat sports. And if you talk to anyone at Sanford MMA, they said, this kid is the future. Darian called him one out there and submitted him in the first round. Smoked him. Got him right to his back. Adam Borsch gave just a little bit of a that's turn. What, that's what a mistake will him. do for you. That's what a mistake will do for you. If AJ McKee fights the same way that he fought Campos, or even just a little bit that way, Darian Caldwell will get to his neck and he will finish him. He will put him away. This is what this is. This fight just it it really interests me only based on the fact that I know how good Darian Caldwell is. But is he good in the fourth and the fifth? I want to answer that question. There's when you when you're sitting at home, you guys, and you guys are watching this fight. Remember what we are talking about right here, because when that fight gets into the fourth and fifth, you're gonna be like, "Oh shit, I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to see him <laughs> slow down." Or, "Oh shit, he's actually coming around. He's actually still putting the pressure. He's still working hard to get the takedowns." I just have, I think, mentally for Darian in that fourth and fifth round. He has been getting tired when he was at 135. And I agree, it probably is the weight cut. But the mental of it is hard to just snap out of it and say, you know what, I'm not going to get tired anymore. It, but to follow along with Douglas Lima, you have to understand that no matter what you do, no matter how great a shape you're in, in any sport, you're going to get tired. Yeah. It's a matter of just taking a step back. And we talked about this this morning. Is You would see me occasionally in my fights take a step back and go, Whew. And then jump right back in, right? And th- there's moments, you know, like right before I but fought. But that little breath of air yes, just recharges you. Yep. And then Forrest Griffin, was uh, he came to AK and trained a couple times, and I had noticed that. And then I, from then on out, I had seen him doing it in his fights. And I even went back and I saw myself doing it, not really not realizing that I was doing it, but I did it in the Nate Diaz fight right before I, I head kicked really him. There was, a head, there was an exchange. I took a step back, took a deep breath, and then walked forward. It's that little recharge, like you say. That's where Darian needs to learn to settle sometimes in front of his opponent, take his deep breath, 
Okay. And also too, is just to relax the shoulders and the arms, let everything drop and then re-enter and go, okay, look, I'm already, I'm already tired. I'm not going to get much more tired. And if I do get much more tired, he's going to get tired as well. So that's where the fighter, that's where this whole fight game is, is, is made is when one fighter feels one other fighter's getting tired is who can push through that little bit of tiredness to try and get the leg up, to try and get the takedown, to try and land a body shot, to try and land the, the, the shot that potentially can put you back on your heels and let me put the pressure. It goes back and forth. That's what makes these fights so entertaining. I think the two of them together will make for an amazing, amazing fight. You take speed, athleticism. Both of them are very evenly matched in terms of height and reach and range. And I would give the edge, obviously, to, to Darian in wrestling. I would yeah. probably even maybe give the edge a little bit on the speed to Darian if he uses it and strikes enough instead of just shooting raw dog. I would probably get slightly. I'm not saying it's by much, but everything else I would probably give to AJ. Yeah. Well, I you would, take a You're right. Darian, he gets the wrestling. Mm-hmm. Submission wise, Darian's got a lot of submissions. Yes. And then you talk about the featherweight thing with Darian. Darian is 8 and 0. Oh. As a featherweight, he's Good six point. and zero. Good point. As a featherweight here in Bellator, his only losses are to guys that he burnt was burning on. Even his first loss ever was to you know Baby Joe, and it was he made a mistake on the takedown because he's tired. Yep, and he gets caught in a guillotine choke. Same thing happens. He's beating Horiguchi, gets caught in a guillotine choke, and then he's got a decision loss. But he's undefeated as a featherweight because. He's not killing his body, getting down to 135 pounds. That 10 pounds is huge. Yeah. It's huge. The other thing as well is I want you guys, when you go back and watch the Horiguchi fight, if you guys do, and, and the Baby Joe fight as well, is that those, those, both those fighters are shorter in stature. They have short legs, much harder, harder to shoot Much in, harder for you to get in and take them down. A little bit heavier bases. Now, sure, maybe AJ McKee will be harder to take down, but he'll be easier to get in on. Yes. And that's, that's the thing. And so... The, the sidekicks, the, the fast jabs and the right hands and the left hands and everything that come from AJ McKee. Sure, those are all going to be there. But Darren Caldwell has made his career off of shooting on guys like that and getting and having success in those takedowns. He's a, he's a really good fighter. And I think at 145, I'm hoping that he found his home. Yep. And I would like to believe, like you're, like you are thinking that he belongs here and the weight cut will not be a factor and that he will have fourth and fifth round. Stamina. Yep. My belief, though, is that, and I've seen this with a lot of other fighters, is that once it's in their mind, they're going to get tired. It's something they have to mentally get through. Yeah. Well, and if you tell yourself you're tired, yet. you're tired. Yeah. Exactly. Even if your heart rate's not not high. To give you like a little bit of a information here, like a little back thing with Frank Shamrock. Frank Shamrock said, "He know what I would do with for the preparing for the Tito Ortiz fight." He's like, is when I would spar with guys, is I would never stop moving in the round. He's like, and I never got tired. Never. He's like, I would just keep moving and moving and moving for five minutes straight. I would just keep moving. He's like, it wasn't until the round stopped that I sat down on my stool was I exhausted. Whew. He's like, but then what you're doing is you're training your body to recover within that minute. You know? So then after the minute, he'd come back out. He's like, and I would just try to always stay moving for five minutes. Hard, hard, hard. Just move, 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 move. He's like, and then I would just train my body to recover during that minute time. And as the fight got closer, I would shorten how much time I had to recover, 45 seconds, 30 seconds, all the way down to 20 seconds. He's like, and then that's how I got ready for my fights. Fighters like Darian Caldwell need to, to hear that. They oh, need they, to know that. They, they not only need to hear it, they need to learn it. Yeah, they need to learn how to figure how to, how to mentally break yourself out of yep. being tired. Yep. Now, everything needs to land 
with power. Not everything needs to be super fast and explosive. Sometimes you just got to punch your way in slowly or, you know, and then get into the legs and then use your technique to get the takedown. Darian, everything is fast and explosive like you talked about. He is that fast twitch muscle fiber explosive athlete. Now he just needs to learn to dial it in so he's not wasting energy in moments where he doesn't need to. And I, I think that's what would be the difference. Now in this fight, I honestly, it's a, it's a catch him for me. It's one of those pick him fights where I think, I think Darian has the opportunity to get AJ out of there in the first two rounds, maybe even into the third. But as this fight goes on, I feel like it's going to be harder for Darian to get him out of there. Not just because he they're sweaty for the takedown, but also too to catch the submission. Because I do believe, like you probably believe, is that AJ is the better jiu-jitsu guy all the way around. But I also think that <clears throat> Darian is crafty. Darian sees things that he knows works for him, and he'll attack them fast and quick. And when he does, it's fucking over. It's over. It's over, but it's also over the other way because, like you said, I'm telling you, AJ on the ground is slick, crafty, sets you up. You know, Dan Daniel Crawford came in uh, to fight AJ and, you know, was talking about, I, I promise you I'm going to submit him. I promise you. I promise you. You know, I've watched. I promise you. And I was like, man, I'll tell you what. You know, I, look, I had a gym for a long time. AJ, you know, been there and competed in tournaments that I watched and stuff. And I will tell you, man, he is slick. When he decides to go for something, he he may not let you know what he's going for, but he's got his mind on what he's going to go for, you know. And in that fight with Crawford, you know, all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Crawford is being tapped out, and you go, man, "I told you, man, yeah. I knew." So it's going to be there, there's they, they both have their strengths, but they match up extremely well. This is, in my opinion, whoever is the one in control of the pace of the fight is the fighter that's going to win. There you go. I guess here we're going to go into the into the other fight that I think to me just got bumped up today to the to the main TV show, which is Rafion Stotts um, versus Keith Lee. Keith Lee, Oof. Keith. killer Keith, killer Keith. Dude, Keith Lee it. has some choice words for me at the in the fighter interviews. In the fighter interviews. Oh man, he didn't like the fact that last time he fought. Don't don't I, be a commentator. Man. I was giving him a hard time about the fact that you leg, know checking leg kicks, checking leg kicks, and about how he should have stayed either all the way out or all the way in. And he didn't agree with me apparently, so he let me know with the fighter interviews. But hey, we were having fun with it. He said he got a lot of respect and stuff for me, and I got a lot of respect for him because man, he's doing his thing right now. He's well, good. Well, you got to figure Keith Lee, and at the start of his career, he was three and three. Yeah. You know, and you if you go back and you watch those fights, he's making big mistakes, big mistakes. But all split decision be, losses. Yes. Trying to be flashy and get himself into a bad spot that he'd end up having to work his way out of. And that's why he ended up losing the decisions, even though you look and you go, he's winning the fight. Yeah. You know, he now where he's training and he's training where his brother is. He's an extreme couture. He's got Dewey Cooper with his striking man right now. He is four fights in a row he's won uh beat sean bunch to come into bellator yep. then he ends up taking on Benicia zani who's a good striker a good jiu-jitsu guy and he was putting it on he put zani. it on him he was putting it on him yes yes you're right zani landed some good leg kicks that was that was yeah. his highlights of the fight yeah. you know and so keith lee right now he is starting to feel it he's coming into his own and he's believing that you know what hey i belong and i can fight with anybody and then Rafion Stotts. I love Rafion Stotts. He is a guy, his submission game is outstanding. His wrestling is outstanding. And his striking 
has gotten so much better. And the real one of the real differences is if you watch Rafion when he grapples on top, he is super good. You know, and everyone's got their thing, and some guys are good both from their back and on top. You know, it balances out. Rafion Stotts in the top position. When if he gets there, he's going to cause Keith Lee problems. Keith Lee is going to be dealing with someone that he is not used to in that position, and he needs to be careful in what he extends to get himself out of positions like we've seen. So, you know, Rafion right now, he's feeling even better that he's got Lovato Jr. now teaching him his top game and what he does. And he goes, oh, my God, he's just I just feel like, you know, he was ma- he was made for me. Yeah. And he is. And, you know, you get a coach like that and a guy that's teaching you little tiny elements to change not what you do, but a little bit of how you do it. And I think Rafian's coming into this riding very high. He had a great fight against Caspell, you know, beat an undefeated fighter and, and you know, submitted him. And uh, he's looking good right now. This is, you know, that fight right there. You know, we had, they had talked and said, you know, which fights do you think is going to last longer? I said, well, I think the Keith Lee versus Rafian says, okay, that one's going to go to the prelims. I went, no, I didn't mean that. Yeah, yeah. No, you're the one that pushed I him was, down. I was, I was the idiot, right? I go, no, 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 no. And they go, no, that's what we want. And then all of a sudden they were able to bring it back. So I'm glad that that's on the main card. Yeah, we. This is this is what I want. My takeaway from this whole situation is that if you guys go back and you guys watch Keith Lee fight Sean Bunch, and Sean Bunch is credited his wrestling is so much better than Rafian Stotts. So how is Rafian Stotts going to win this fight? Well, let me explain to you. Let me explain to you guys when you guys are watching this fight. Look, this is this is what we're here to do is I wanted you guys to understand from a fighter's perspective on what I see. John can show you also too from a fighter's perspective as well, like what he has seen and been in the cage with. But one of the benefits of us doing the show together is I go to him for a lot of knowledge of past fighters and and what they what they do well in the cage. And he's been in the cage with them to know like what how they talk to their corners, how they are mentally, how they are not, you know, and also to the ones that tend to kind of lean towards breaking, the ones that are like strong willed. You know, those are all conversations we've had. With Rafi with with Sean Bunch <clears throat> The one thing he's one of my training partners, and I can I spar with him multiple times and grappled him multiple times. He is a great wrestler. Yep. He's got decent submissions. They're not they're not great, but he's got a pretty good submission game. the The fact of the matter is, his stand up sure he's fast, you know, and he can piece up people. Here's the thing, is that he doesn't put them all together. You guys heard me for the last how know, long? Eight picking months. apart Aaron Pico. Picking apart Aaron Pico. <laughs> and what did I do last week? All I did was praise Aaron Pico because we knew he could box. We knew he could wrestle, but we didn't see, we've never seen him put the two things together. And last week we saw it again. He did it the fight before um, with Solo Hatley, and then he did it again last weekend or last week. This is where Sean Punch was never able to kind of fully put the two things together. Rafael Stotts does that very well. He's not a phenomenal striker, but he is a good striker. Yep. And if you want to say the two of them are, or if you're going to compare them up with striking, I would give it to Keith Lee. So would I. Slightly. So would I. But I would also give the reason why I give it to Keith Lee is not just because of the way he is, how comfortable he is on the feet, is that he's longer. Okay. He likes to go ahead and throw the flying knees. He goes, he likes to go ahead and mix it up a little bit. He puts his combinations together better. And that being said, he doesn't have the wrestling pedigree that Rafael Stas does. So when he thinks he's going to strike, he's got to always in his mind be prepared for that takedown. Because Rafael Stas, even though he's not as good as Sean Bunsen wrestling, he is good at putting he it together. Transitions it better. He transitions it better. But one thing, the other thing as well that he's he is not a slouch in the wrestling department. Oh. He is good. 
He is very good in wrestling. And like you said, when he puts the pressure and the hips on you, and because Cass Bell is a big guy. He's a very big guy with a pretty good wrestling credentials himself. And he was able to take him down at will. He was able to dominate positions. He was able to do everything that he wanted to do in that fight. And that kind of shocked me a little bit, to be honest. And when I saw the two of them getting into it, I was surprised that Rafael was having such success on just the easier takedowns, controlling the position, Caspell not being able to get up, never mounting the offense from the bottom. Rafael Stoss did a great job. If he does that to Keith Lee, he's going to have a successful night. Oh, yeah. Can he do it, though? Can he get him down? Can he put it together to the point where he feels like makes Keith Lee feel like he's going to stand and trade and then get the takedown? That's what he's going to have to do. If he doesn't do that, he ain't winning this fight. No, you're exactly right. It's a matter wow, of... Wow, I'm right. Yeah, dude, which is <laughs> shocking to yeah, me that you actually shocking. came up with something that oh, was... Wow, you know, wow. That everyone could actually <laughs> listen to and believe in. You know? <laughs> no, but it's it's a... This is this is the ones where you say, well, this is why you fight the fight because you yes. can sit there and talk about this one forever. Both guys are good. Both guys are good, are fun to watch. And you would think bringing those two guys together, that's just going to be a dynamite fight. It's fun to watch. Both guys are explosive. Different ways that they're explosive a little bit, but it should be really fun. The other one, Joey Davis yep. against Bobby Lee. I, I don't know if you really know Bobby Lee. I do know Bobby Lee. You know, we, we talked about when you were in school. You don't want to wrestle the redheads. Don't wrestle the gingers. No, they're man. all they're all cock strong. They're man. all cock strong, man. <laughs> I wrestled redheads in high school and in college, and gosh, every time they grabbed me, I was like, "This is horrible. It's horrible. They're just it's just it's horrible." That's that is yeah. Bobby. There's no doubt if you look at credential ginger wise, power. Ginger power is good. You look at credential wise, Joey Davis. You're looking at a four-time NC2A champion, one of only three men to ever be undefeated through his collegiate wrestling career. Yeah. You know, he, he's definitely got the credentials, but this is not wrestling. Yeah. And he, there's one thing that Joey even knows now. He knows, hey, this guy's going to be in my face. He's going to be coming after me, and I am going to have to do things that make him pay for that pressure that he wants to bring. And that's the real question. Can he make him pay? What do you call redheaded ninja? A ginger. A ginger. <laughs> that was a really bad joke. But, hey, I had to throw it out there. Um, look. Joey Davis is the real deal. He's the package, undefeated, 26 years old. He really feels like after he wins this fight that there's nothing left for him to do other than just start making that step up. He's looking for the Korshkovs. He's looking for the MVP. He's looking for the Douglas Lima. All he wants is the title shot. He wants to get there. He's like, look, if I lose, then I know that where I need to work. And that means I got plenty of time to make those adjustments and get there. That's kind of where he's at right now. Like I feel like he needs to he needs to get past his opponent coming up, but I, I, I don't see how he loses this fight. As long as he stays composed, knowing that he went to Big Bear, knowing that he said, I asked him, the one thing I said, what did you work on in this fight? He's like, my conditioning. Because he we've seen him drop people with spinning back kicks. We've seen him, we've seen him drop people with head kicks. We've seen him get after people, you know, in the striking. Yep. But he can wrestle, and one thing he does very well is he can ground pound the shit yeah, out of him. Oh, dude, he's ground pound his head. Well, I, I'll tell you right, right now, I I was the referee for Joey's very first professional fight, and he was nothing but a wrestler. And I actually, after the fight, I went to his coach, and I, and I said, Antonio, why in the hell did you put that kid in a fight when he doesn't understand MMA right now? I go, he's nothing but a wrestler. He goes, yeah, John, sometimes you got you to gotta put, be put in the, in the frying pan. He goes, maybe he <laughs> thought he was an MMA fighter. Now he knows maybe he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 
Dude, you are hard love, man. You are hard love. That goes back to the AJ thing. When he AJ wasn't ready for the Brian Moore fight, he's like, nope, you're taking that fight still. You said you would, not because you're lazy. I'm not going to let you pull out. That's Antonio. But I'll I'll tell you what, Antonio's done a really incredible job with Joey because Joey is now a well-rounded guy. And his his striking, it's dangerous, man, He's because he's confident in it, too. He believes that, you know what, I've got power. I can, I can end this with my hands. I can end it with my feet. I can end it with a submission. I can take you down whenever I want. He's feeling very confident in the fight as he goes into it. Here's the thing that I love about Joey Davis. you got to pull anything that negative out of anything, and he doesn't still doesn't give it to you negative. He is somebody that, no matter what, he believes in himself, obviously, being undefeated in college you know, and in wrestling. Him being undefeated now as a fighter, he believes in himself. He doesn't need to be verified by anybody else. He just wants to, to realize what his goals are. His goals are to be the best. And he, he is on track to do that right now. And he's so young, 26 years old, speaks highly of everyone, very soft-spoken. There's nothing that you cannot like about this young man. It's, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by it. I pass him in the halls. You know, He shakes his head, says hi. He doesn't try to like get more attention. He doesn't, he doesn't swing through and put his face in the cameras when things are going on. He's somebody that just comes in. He says hi. He's very respectful. His dad's usually following him around everywhere, you know, everywhere. You know, and that like, he's a he's a great person at the heart. And his his father and his parents did a wonderful job with him. I got to tell you, there's nothing not to like about this young man. So when you guys are sitting there watching that fight, you guys got to be thinking everything. Just remember what I just told you. Just an absolutely great human being. Well, I, I want to say this: Joey Davis came up in a very rough area, rough area. Okay. In California, Compton, California, his dad, this is proof. Parents are the difference in what they do because his dad, and I've known Joey since he was a young kid, his dad has been motivating and pushing Joey in directions, not things that he didn't want to do, things that I like doing that. Okay, we're going to do that. Mm. Keeping his son busy, gave him the name Malcolm in the middle. That's his middle name, Malcolm X, Joey (laughs) Malcolm X Davis. And he says, I'm giving him that name because you're going to be a leader. You're going to teach people what to do. You're going to be a born leader. I was like, man, you're putting pressure on that kid. But I've known, I've known Mr. Davis for you know probably 20 years of Joey's life. And you're talking about a guy he is. I have never, ever not seen him with Joey when he competes. Yeah. And, and, I was, and I asked Joey you know, in this one, I said, hey, is your dad here? He goes, absolutely. I yeah, said, yeah. So you were able to get your dad here. He goes, I don't compete without my dad. Yeah. And I just, I love that about him. So That's good. All right, well, hey, let's get into the UFC. I mean, there's. Ooh. What do you think? I mean, like here, here. This is this is where I think we should talk. Do they go over or under two hundred thousand pay per view buys? This is a pay per view event. I saw it going around on Twitter. That's why I'm asking. I'm not it, trying to be. I think shade. it's a good event. I really do. I do. I, I actually I, think it's going to be one I of those. I think the card is really a good card. Yeah. It's not like it's a. You know, it's a, sometimes you'll look at anyone's card and you go, ah, "That's crap." Yeah. You know, and sometimes we're a little bit hard about that on, you know, even on Bellator cards or UFC cards. But I, you look at this, you know, and the, and the main event is Figueredo against Perez. And you look and go, it's actually a really good fight. It is. Okay. Perez, man, Perez destroyed Formiga with those leg kicks. And he's done so well. You know, he's 24 and 5. And what are you going to say about, you know, Figueredo? He is, you know, he smoked a good fighter. Mm-hmm. Okay twice yeah you know and uh, i didn't think it was a good thing when they put joey back in that second fight at yeah. that time 
I thought he needed more time to recover from what happened in the first yeah. one. But, you know, Figueredo has proven himself. You know, I think his, his biggest opponent is the scale. Getting to that mm. weight because, man, your championship weight, he's got to come in, and that is a big drop because he's a big dude for 125 pounds. You'd be surprised what championship paychecks do to you, though. Hello, man. All it's of a sudden, nutrition, baby. Yeah, all yeah. of a sudden, that nutritionist comes in, and oh, you're walking to the scale on point. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good card. I think I think the card is actually drastically underrated. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good fights on that, and I'm ex- I'm excited to really see that that card. Dave, can you pull up the card for us? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. You know, I look at it, and it's you know, the, it's the the co-main fight is a championship fight, also, and it's got obviously who I think is the best. You know, there is in, in uh, women's MMA. Well, it's definitely the best in the 125 pounds. Yes, by far, and. You know, She's possibly, so possibly the best, you know, overall fighter pound for pound woman wise. You know, obviously she's had two fights against Amanda and she's lost both of them. But, you know, she was coming back in the third round of a three round fight where she was winning that. Yeah. You know, because Amanda was in trouble. And then Amanda and her fought in a championship fight and Amanda ended up getting the win. But it was a decision win. And, you know, Valentina is you talk about it, she is a pure martial artist. She can do it all. You know, when we talk about transitions and being able to stand up and fight and having good takedowns and then transitioning into submissions, she does it all yeah. and does it so well. And, you know, I like Maya. I think Maya's a, a good fighter. I just don't think that she's ready for no. what she's facing. Here's the thing. I don't think that any girl at 125 is, is ready, ready for yeah, her. I agree. And what it really just comes down to this is that she really – she can be a chance. She, she's she, on an island she, by herself. She's on man. an island by herself when it comes to that 125 pound title. This, I, I feel like it's a little bit of that John Jones feel of like fighters kind of. I don't of think wish, she's ever on oh, no, Never mind. <laughs> I'm saying the John Jones feel at the, the 205 pound division. Until DC yeah. came along, no one really thought they could beat John Jones. And people yeah. were kind of winning there. That's true. She has that going on right now. You know, same thing with Khabib, right? Look at Dos Anjos. Now that Khabib's gone, I'm going to come back. <laughs> That was a great Donald statement. Cerrone is coming yeah, back. Donald, yeah, People are coming back to 125 or 155 pounds. Take a look because at that Khabib top target. Gone. When you take a look at that top target, you go, I don't want to be in there. Yeah, I mean, like, even if you got there, why would you want to be there? Yeah. That's the thing. And so I think you're getting that feeling from the girls at 125. Eventually, they're going to start going to 115 or they're going to, like, you know what? I'll take my chances with Amanda. You know, and that's kind of where you're at. I think the only fight to really make would be for Amanda and Shevchenko to fight again. Yep. In a title fight, I, I, I don't know how you would, you know, she'd have to go up and try and beat her at 135 for the title there. But there, I don't see any, I don't have any interest well, in nothing as my, I have no interest in seeing her fight anybody else but Amanda Nunes. <sighs> yeah, I, you know, damn, Tell I, me hate, I'm wrong. I hate when you're right. I really <laughs> love it. And it's not, God, it's this not, is so good today. We're on a well, good, this show's going really well. It's not, you, you take a look. And you say, you know, Amanda Nunez was scheduled to face Megan Anderson in the 145 pounds. And it's obvious you, know, you can't ask Amanda to go to 125. That's not going to ever happen. But, you know, you're looking at that fight with Megan Anderson and, you know, it's, it's, yeah, that's not that's not a hard fight, in my opinion, for Amanda. At 135, there's people, you know, there that, you know, hey, yes. very skilled fighters and, and they can give Amanda a go and could give Valentina a go. You know, and there's no doubt that, you know, going into it, if you're going to look and say, hey, we're going to put Amanda and Valentina back together again. Well, Amanda is definitely going to be the favorite. But you want to talk about I still 
I'll put money on Valentina based if she's got good odds because yeah. she absolutely can win that fight. She's got the skill set. She can win that fight. Now, that doesn't mean she will win it. You know, she's already lost to her twice, but she has the skill set. She can beat anybody on that given night. Yeah. yeah, even someone as good as Amanda Nunez. Yeah, I think I think she's actually way more. I think she's more well rounded than Amanda Nunez. Amanda's got the power on the hands. Yep. Amanda's got good striking. I think um, Shevchenko's is better striking, but she, oh. have, she doesn't have the power that she has. It definitely that, it doesn't striking. translate to one thirty five. Yeah. She's got powers to, in her kick and her knees. Yes, it doesn't translate as well as yes. the boxing hands that Amanda Nunez. Which is which, we've is, seen. which I think is the difference of when they fought. I yeah. think it is that Amanda has that power where she can make. Valentina have to reset based upon that one shot that she can throw where when Amanda is coming and Valentina hits her, she better hit her with a clean shot for it to make Amanda reset. And that's a big difference. But if they were to fight again, I think this would be the difference. The difference is, is Shevchenko has gotten so much better on the ground since they fought. And that's, that's what I think the difference is her, her ability to get to the body clinch, her ability to get the takedowns with trips, her ability to get the takedowns period by lifting the single and hitting, hitting the dumps. She's gotten a lot better on the wrestling and she's got a lot better on the grappling. And in my mind, I've always thought I've seen her progress in that way. And I know it's probably eating her alive going, I got to get that fight. They'll both those fight back. I yeah. have to get that fight back against Amanda. And she's the one that brought it up. I really see no other fights for me except for the Amanda Nunes rematch. And I I can't disagree with her. That's how good she is. Either can I, because I I look at this and it, when you when you're looking at this fight against Jennifer, and I know that Valentina is giving respect to Jennifer Maya, and she should, but it's hard for you when you're that fighter in Valentina's shoes to get excited for this fight. It's easy if you're Jennifer Maya to get excited and say, "Wow, I, I've got a big hill to climb," but yeah, you know, I I have my eyes on that target. But when you're Valentina, you know. And that's everybody in the 125s. I don't care who it is. You know, you can look all the way to, you know, whoever. It's there's no one there that you can look and say, that's someone that Valentina needs to be worried about. Yeah, I just don't see it. I don't see it either. And then you have Paul Craig, right? Your Scottish Paul boy, Craig against Mauricio Hua. Yeah, but um, you, before that, you have um, after, before Shevchenko, you have Mike Perry in ten minutes. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, the Dirty Bird. Let's talk. Let's talk Shogun real quick with uh, Paul Craig. Okay. Paul Craig wins. Scottish boy, huh? Paul, Paul Craig, Craig wins. wins. No bias there from the Scottish it's guy. A, it's a good thing you have no uh, feelings about this at all. Yeah. Next thing you know, right? Someone's gonna come in off the he's top now, turnbuckle. He's now picking up a blue and white flag and flailing it around. Oh jeez. Oh no, he's <laughs> got go, one. He's going. Go, it's not blue and white, but it's, it's like what is this? Your village? Is this what it is? Your village? <laughs> it looks like you're putting a picnic table oh, together, man. man. This guy's crazy. <laughs> Love it. Just crazy. Uh, um, first fight was good. It was a lot of chasing of submissions of Paul Craig from well, the bottom. Paul Craig is a submission guy. Yeah, he's not that guy. That's a stand up guy. Yeah, he needs to. I wouldn't say he needs to work more on his stand up, but he needs to get a little bit more. He needs to threaten a couple little things in that area. You know what I mean? To to make them respect him a little bit more. The other thing is, well, look, no matter how good you are, it's really hard to be a good jiu-jitsu guy from the bottom in this day and age in MMA. And Shogun has made his career off of people thinking that they could submit him from the bottom. Oh, yeah. And he stepped through their garden, stomped on their face, okay, <laughs> all the way back to the pride days. Yeah. And I don't see that changing a whole lot. Look, Paul Craig could potentially catch him. Yeah. And I think he's got a great opportunity I to do I think Paul's now. got a very good opportunity and if it happens in the first round. While Shogun is dry, he's not real wet. Uh, 
Hall, if he's able to get into a clinch and get a takedown and try to move at that time into positions to, to work his way to, to figure out what submission he wants to go for and catch Shogun in a transition, because that's really where Shogun makes mistakes. Go back all the way to when, when, when uh, Shogun fought Chael Sonnen. Transitionally was taking Chael down and Chael laces on a guillotine tight doesn't do the right things to stop it right away thinks that I can I can just drive through it and he gets caught and that's where he's always had when it came to submission defense sometimes he will not respect the submission that's there and it's too late by the time he does what's reckless yes is that he sometimes believing cares that more. I can just go through it he cares more about punching your face and yes. stomping your head yeah okay and instead of worrying about you getting leg locked or knee barred or arm barred or triangle choked or anything along the But I'll, I'll give it, you know, if you go back and you watch the first fight between the two, Paul Craig did some damage yes, in that, that first round with, with his punching. He had hurt Shogun. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, it's a, I look at this as a good fight for Shogun in the fact that the worst thing that can happen is he gets submitted. I don't think that Paul Craig is going to hurt him again in the stand-up. I don't think that Shogun had a lot of respect for he's Paul Craig in the stand-up. He's not the same up. guy, John. I know he's not the he's same not guy. He's not the same I guy. I understand that. And I'm telling you right now, with a loss, I don't want to see him fight again. Oh. It has nothing to do with It just has to do with I start looking at the amount of damage he takes. Even when he wins fights, he looks like he got fucking drugged through the alley <laughs> by a goddamn cat like in the back of a tractor. I was like, good oh, God, man. man. Like he, That's... Even when he wins, and I'm just like, this is not... And I've I've been a fan of his I've been a fan of his brother when his oh, Ninja yeah, was fighting back in Pride. And then he he exploded onto the scene, and I was like, "Wow, this this family is just built for this sport. They're so fun to watch." But it's gotten to the point now where, like, he he gets rocked all the time. He gets hurt all the time. He takes a ton of damage yeah. and punishment. Yeah. And I agree that, that maybe there's not a chance that he gets knocked out or finished on the feet by, so. but. We're talking this fight happened years ago, and he got rocked then. I mean, he's been getting worse as the time's gone on. And, yeah, he probably he probably could. But here's the other thing. If he does, let's just say he does uh, get him down. He ends up, Paul Crazy ends up on bottom. Shogun has, like you said, that has that, that lack of respect. He jumps into people's guards, puts himself in positions. I recall in that fight, as I recall, there was a submission, a couple of submissions that almost got close. Oh, yeah. tri- I want to say one of them was the triangle. triangle. Got really close in that fight. And I think it was saved with the bell. Saved by the bell or the fence kind of got in the way and it like sort of opened up Paul crazy. I'm trying to remember back. Sorry, been, it's been a while. Um, I don't have a still trap uh, memory like John over here. But <laughs> but it's it's one of it's one of those scenarios where if he if even if he is on top, the danger is there of being submitted, which is fine. Okay. But then He's the type of person that he doesn't show any respect. He's gonna jump in and out of that guard like nonstop. He's gonna try to. He's gonna try to punch a hole in Paul Craig's yeah. head. Yeah. Sorry about that, Dave. I know that bothers you, but that's yeah. what he's gonna try to do. He and Dave's over here shaking his head. <laughs> Absolutely not. not Absolutely happen. not. It's not gonna happen. Look, I I'm being honest. Win or lose, I would hope that this is kind of the end of Shogun being the fighter. I hope so. There's all kinds of things that he can still do within MMA, but he's given everything. He he owes nothing to anyone. I I always say there comes that point. It's hard to walk. When you're a competitor, it's incredibly hard to walk away and say, I'm never going to compete again. Once you do and you get your mind around it, it's okay. 
Yeah, it's but, not hard. But to be, well, to be <laughs> in that position where that's all you've done and, yeah. and you've lived your life off it, it's it's hard to, to look forward and say, I'm never going to compete again. No, I can't do it. You know what it is, right? It's the It's not knowing what to do next that keeps them in the game. That's really what it is. I, I said this for years is what like I, I pretty much after I lost a Patriki from the headbutt, um, I had realized that um, <laughs> I had realized that I was still going to AKA every day in training, you know, like, and I started wondering, I'm like, you know, you're probably not going to fight again. So why are you here? And once I decided not to go there anymore, as much as I like to be around the guys, that's the hardest part. Like you're used to the routine that's of going every like, single day. You're it's used the to the camaraderie. At least also, the routine, though, of just it is your the day is already structured. And to be around those guys that yeah. you share something with. But it's mindless. Like, I wake up in the morning, I go run. I come back home, eat, shower, sleep, then go train at noon. And like, and then I go back home, eat, shower, sleep, come back at 5.30, and then train till 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. It's mindless. You, it's been doing it for, I've been doing it for 20 years. He's been doing it for just as long, if not longer. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that that mindless of, like, you, don't, you just got to get up and go through and do the same thing you do every week and every weekend, you know? And once that's gone... What do you do? And they, no one has a structure after that. And I think that's a big reason why you have a hard, these, these fighters have a hard time leaving the sport. Well, it is, I think it is exactly what you're saying is that you have to give up that old life. Mm, you've heard this before. Well, it's the truth. And I've said it many times. You've <laughs> got to. You said it on. Thank uh, you. You said it on, I think, Rogan's uh, yeah, podcast. Yeah, you're trying to take credit for it. I'm not taking credit for it. To... I'm going to say I've heard you say this. Uh, John, it was such said, a great idea that you came up with. This was such a good, yeah. such a great boy. Come on, you said, you know, Josh Thompson. I wasn't, I wasn't even fast enough to get away from the headbutt, so I just gave up in the fight, <laughs> and I realized I needed a new life. <laughs> that's true. That is true. That's true. But no, it is. You've got to make that. You've got to make that final step of saying, "All right, I got to give up my whole life so I can start something new." Yes, and that takes it takes that moment and that conscious thought and effort. But you know, all these guys, when you look at what Mauricio Hua has brought to the sport and what he's accomplished and what he's done. He's a freaking winner. Yeah. And he can be a winner in anything else he wants to do. He's just got to put his time, energy, and dedication to that now as his new competition. Well, this is what we're doing right here. Yeah. Like I, we got done That's with it. this and we put the time and focus into being commentators and analysts for Bellator and then it was well as doing our show. It's really is kind of what has consumed us and kept us busy. No, I mean, it just happens. Yeah, it's it does. easy. It does. It does. I mean, Outside of like you having to like blow all the leaves out of your oh, river fuck. in your home at your house, but I mean that consumes you as well. He gets home and like there's leaves everywhere through his little. I have no, house. I had no idea living 50 years in Los Angeles or in Las Vegas what a real fall was. <laughs> no idea at all. Now I know. Oh man, <laughs> um, let's talk about Mike Perry. Talk to us, Goose. Yeah, Mike Perry and uh, Tim Means. Yeah, I heard Mike Perry is very heavy right now. Like heavy coming, as in coming, big muscular, like, like big he's muscular. been lifting. Oh. Yep. Oof, oof. That's what I heard. I mean, we're we'll gonna see. see. He's got the condition to go three rounds, but I mean, we we know he's got the power. Well, to he's put got this fight away, and that's the real thing that he's got. He in this fight, I don't see him having any advantage over a wily, freaking smart, tough, dirty bird, some bitch Tim Means, but he's got power. Yeah, and I will tell you, you know, I, I did again. I did freaking Mike Perry's first fight in the UFC, and you know he uh, he was fighting a, a Korean kid from Korean top team that I had uh, 
had uh, worked with before, super big for the welterweight division, about six foot two. Yes. Just you looked at him, you go, God, how do you get in this? And he was a good fighter. And, and Perry, you know, I would go in the back and I talked to him, and he says, he goes, he goes, I just want you to, I'm gonna knock his fucking ass out. I said, well, that, that's all great. I go, and, and if that happens, we'll take care of it. But this is what I want you to think about. He goes, I just want you to know, John. He goes, you're going to be pulling me out. I'm going to be knocking his ass out. And I'm thinking, uh-huh. Sure enough, he knocked his ass out. <laughs> but, yeah, he's got that power. He's got yeah. that one-punch shot. And he can hit you, and he can hurt you. And so Tim Means needs to be very careful of not taking too many of those yeah. from Perry. But Perry needs to be careful with Tim Means because – in the clinch, inside mm, those game, dirty boxing, Tim Means is talented. People, that is a skill set that not a whole lot of people have. And I'm telling you, Tim Means has it. He is good with it. And if he gets into a clinch with you, he will hit you with shit that you never saw coming, and he will tear you up. So it's it's a good fight. Which is funny because not a lot of tall guys have learned to use that to their advantage, that clinch work, whether it's knees, elbows. I mean, that's one thing I, I would like to tip my hat to, to John Jones. John Jones, he, oh, he was something he just mastered right from the beginning in just those knees, those elbows. Come on. How many, how many guys have you seen outwork John Jones in the clinch? I, I can't. I can't. None of them. On my head, yeah. And, and DC is outstanding in the clinch. John won those. Yeah. The DC is outstanding in the clinch in terms of the wrestling to the punch real quick. But John's a different level oh, in yeah. terms of the elbows and the up elbows and the spinning elbows and the and whatever else the elbow he can get in brain. there. Yeah. yeah, that whole transition there. You know, and, and look, and as much as I'd like to give John Jones a headache about all the steroids and all this other shit, the one thing you can't give him you can't give him a headache about is that the fact that he's a fucking he's a very talented fighter. And then the elbows and the techniques and everything he does, he throws them from everywhere. His knees and clinch, everything he does, throws it from everywhere. Like the, he'll even occasionally stomp the foot. He'll even occasionally How hit the heel strikes. John Jones did things that have revolutionized the sport. He was yeah. the first guy doing some of the techniques that we said, mm -hmm. you can't do that. And then Tim Means, though, he's nasty and dirty in those clinches as well. So if you're going to take – I'm not saying he's as good as, as John Jones no. in those areas, but for tall guys, they generally feel like they need to make more space. Yep. And he, neither one of them needs to do that. They get their work done in that in that short, close range fighting, that phone booth fighting, and man, it's effective. It's really damn good. Yeah, I will tell you, man. I've been uh, very close to the action when Tim Means has been in that clinch, and he hits with power. Mm -hmm. He brings an inside elbow. He'll bring it straight up. He'll bring it over the top. He'll slice it across. He looks for the opening. He's always looking. When you watch him, and as he's in that plum tie watch him he will look for the openings and he will attack it either side and you'll watch him just take his hands switch in his hand and he knows where he's going to go so he's he's really good there you know mike perry has definitely got the power output he can knock tim means out with that one punch power but if he doesn't knock him out he's going to lose that fight john that's not even the the whole point of this conversation and that's not even the point of this fight Who's going to be in Mike Perry's corner? <laughs> That's what this shit is about. He took, he, he, Who's going to be in his corner? He got that from you. And you didn't get enough credit. I I think he's going to get money for it, too. Someone's going to be in his corner. I don't know. Dana said that he can't do that. That's a lie. That's a lie. So coming I, from the I, guy. I, I like. Well, that's not, not coming from me. I didn't do anything about it. When you take a look and you say, this is my corner, mm -hmm. what does an athletic commission know about your corner? I don't know. Do you, you think, the, you know, even as... As much as, you know, 
they have now worked with guys that you worked with. We'll say Javier Mendez or Bob Cook. When Bob Cook first came and asked for a license, mm -hmm. other than having a pair of ears that didn't look quite right, mm -hmm. they looked at it. They don't know who he is. Yeah, They have no idea. Well, it's the same thing. When Mike Perry says, this is my corner person, that's his choice. As long as that corner person is not bringing something as a bad element into that arena or someone that the athletic commission can't license based upon a prior thing that they've done that they say, no, we're not going to allow you to be in this or he's suspended by another athletic commission. They're going to license him. That person's just bringing a wad of damn cash. Uh, that person that. should bring a wad of money, cash. Money. <laughs> like, Look, Mike Perry, I never got my credit, but you know what? You can thank me later. Okay. Yeah. No big deal. I'm glad you made getting, and hopefully you made enough to pay your taxes. That's all I got to say. <laughs> uh, what other fights on there, buddy? Uh, Caitlin, uh, Ch uh, what's wrong? Chikagian. 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 Cynthia Cavillo. Cynthia Cavillo. Ooh. Yeah. That fight interests me. You know, it doesn't interest you at all? No, I, I actually, you know, I think, uh, I think Caitlin's got problems right now. She got, she's got confidence issues. Uh huh. She's, uh, lost. I want to think, has she lost her last two or three? Um, um, I'm, I'm pulling up. Pull it up, oh, geez, man. You were supposed man. to be on. Tell you, Jamie would have been it's all not, over that. Yeah, man. it's not the same. My, <laughs> it's not the same. My laptop died. Oh man, uh, rookie. But you know, I I look at uh, Caitlin. She's in right now. She's in that. Uh, I don't know if the confidence is there. Mm -hmm. She had a, you know the big loss against Jessica Andrade. Yeah. And right now, Cynthia Cavillo, if she if Cavillo gets her to the ground, Cavillo's good on the ground. Yeah, she is. Her stand-up is not as good as Chikagian's, and it doesn't mean she can't stay with her in the stand-up for a while. It's just not as clean, not as technical. But if she gets it to the ground, I don't think that Chikagian can stay with Cavillo. I think Cavillo is, is, you know, everyone's got their things where they're a little bit special. And Cynthia on the ground is good. You watch her movement. You watch the way she sets things, the way she drives her opponent in a certain way to make them move a certain way she's good and, and coming from that 115 i think the, the again weight cut i think she's fighting better at 125 than she ever did as a straw weight in 115 true true i, I agree with you and she's dealing with that the confidence and i in in this sport in every sport confidence is key and if you don't have the confidence it's going to be very hard to win doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what happens. Like you've got to dictate the pace of the fight. You got to have the confidence to push your opponent to the next level. And if you don't have that confidence, it ain't gonna happen. So I mean, I'm gonna lean towards Cynthia because also I, I I can't say where Cynthia is doing her camp. I know she was at AKA for her last two fights, but then the gym's been open and closed, open and closed. So I'm not sure if she's still there. And I haven't frequent uh, AKA in a while, like I said earlier. So the fact is, I mean, I would imagine she's probably gonna be in shape. She's she's a tough, greedy nose fighter. I just I don't I don't see it from Chikagian right now coming off of her loss. She's got two losses. Well, she got one the one loss. she got she had one win in between. Mm. She had the win against uh, Shevchenko's sister, yep. Antonia. So Thanks for yeah. being on top of it, Dave. <laughs> I, I had it. I was just waiting for you to to ask. Stop talking. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I think, like I said, I think to start off this conversation, the one thing that we pointed out about is that this card is a sneaky good card. Yeah. It's, it's a got, sneaky it's got good really card. Good fights. Yeah. yeah. I'm really impressed by a lot of them. They're fun fights. Some yes. of them are just fun. And that's Mike Perry. The Mike exactly. Perry fight is a like, fun fight. You know what, what, what? Paul Craig and Shogun, fun fight. What 
value does that fight bring to rankings? Nothing. Yeah. I still want to see it. Yes. And so that's when you're looking at that's fun. It's a good fight. So it's 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 a contrast of styles. One guy that does something that you know what he's he's good with that one thing and has knocked out some good fighters based mm-hmm. upon his power. And one guy that man, when he can get into his range and he can tear you apart without you really being able to stop what he's doing. So I really like that fight. I think it's gonna be fun. Good stuff. All right, well, let's talk real quick about Mike Tyson and oh, Roy Jones Jr. Jail son and troubles in trouble. I saw he released an he apology. He said that Mike's on drugs. Not drugs. PEDs. PEDs. He pilfered Jones's <laughs> backpack. I guess it's still <laughs> drugs, right? But it's uh, like. Yeah. Well, it's it's legal. Yeah. But not legal it's if not you're legal fighting, It's not legal in the sport. Yeah. 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 Okay, so. so. I don't know. I like, look. I, I just here's the thing. Do I? Th- I it's just, it's just an exhibition. Exhibition. It's an eight rounds. Eight rounds exhibition. I don't know if they're gonna try to knock each other out. If that happens, Roy is going to sleep. <laughs> he is. Go- they, well, the doctor will be waking him up think- with the eyes. Okay, hold on. With, with a flashlight hold right over there. Hold on, Roy. You hear me? Hold on. Hold on. Roy, you hear me? Like, that's what's going to happen. All right. This is one of the things I will tell you that people, they get too involved with Mike Tyson and his training. And they see all of this violence and veracity coming forward with these powerful shots and quickness. And it looks fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to Rafael Cadero about working with Mike and what he's doing. And I love Mike Tyson, so I, I can't say anything bad in any way. You're about to but, right no, now. I'm not, I'm not going to say <laughs> Here that, comes but the but. There's nothing that Mike Tyson brings that Roy Jones has not seen before. Yeah, I and understand that. And I, I, will, I will tell you that, you know, when they were going to make this fight, I got a call and people asking me, hey, you know, do you think that we should allow this fight to be? Right? And I said, as an exhibition fight? I said, yeah, why not? You know, to, just to be honest, look, you, you, both these guys would like to make money. That's what they're going to do. I said, I don't really think that they're going to go out there and try to tear each other's heads off. You know, I think that they're going to go out there and they're going to, they're going to, you know, throw some shots and stuff. But it's a, you know, they respect each other, even though the buildup will be where they hate each other and everything like that. I go, I, I think it's absolutely, you know, reasonable as long as they're both healthy and pass all the physicals and things that they have to pass, you know, to get to the fight. Now I'm looking, I'm starting to get caught up into the promos and I'm thinking they're going to try to kill each other. <laughs> yeah, there, there, I mean, look, I don't think there's a chance they're going to try to kill each other, but we know how it goes, right? Okay, let's just go easy. Yeah. Like we touch gloves and sparring. And that's it. Yeah, we're as just going to we're gonna as flow. As soon as one hits yes. hard, yep. the and, other one's going to come. And then here's the other <laughs> thing as well, is that if you even just run your hand across Roy Jones' chin, it's over. Yeah, no. like that's the thing. That's the issue, and, it's, I, it's and that's that's good. the problem. So, yeah. like with Tyson, he's still got a chin left a little bit before when he left. Yeah, I, I honestly think if you're looking at it, you know, obviously Mike has power. Still at 54, mm-hmm. I don't care. He can freaking swat, and if he touches Roy on the chin in any fashion, Roy's going to sleep. Yeah, left hand, right hand doesn't matter. Head, <laughs> or yeah. yeah, or you know that's. There's no doubt about it, but I don't think that Mike's going to find it easy to find Roy. 
he's not going to have an easy time actually touching Roy. Don't don't take away Roy was an incredibly fast human being yeah. at one time. Now is he the same speed? No, absolutely. Not. But Mike's not as fast as he once was either. Even though he looks really good, and he's throwing you know you know beautiful you know shots and everything in training. He's not as fast. And what Mike brings from training and does in the ring is always different. He never gets into the, a lot of those big rushes that you see him hitting mitts with when he's actually fighting with someone and they they can hit him back. So he at times when he's got someone hurt, he opens up and you know he's a a terror. But he's not going to find it easy to find Roy. Roy is slick. Roy is good and Roy's going to touch him. You know, I don't you know, I don't think Roy's got the power to really no. hurt uh, Mike. And so Mike's the one I think that has the power and I think Roy's chin is gone comparatively to what it is, but I get concerned because if even if even if Tyson misses, you're thinking the wind can do the it. The wind can do it. <laughs> no. That's what, uh, we talk about it. No, John. No, John. no, John. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's. I mean, I got a really bad breath. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. Look, <laughs> the fight. The fight overall, though, is is fun for me. It's it fun is. because I grew up watching the two of them box. There's a lot of. I want to. I, I just don't want it to be. It reminds me of the 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 end of that Rocky when, when he fought Tarver, right? He was older, yeah. he was training for that fight, that kind of thing. It kind of had that feel to it, you know. Like you look at Tyson now; he's kind of built like Rocky was in but that this movie. But this is this is different, you know. And I, I've said that for for so many years to try and get people to understand how hard it is for a fighter to step away at times. Because, and I thought that the Rocky, whatever it was, the Rocky Six or whatever it was, when he had that fight with Tarver. It showed because it had that moment, and the fans are and he's standing out there, and they're you know they're they're just you know calling out his name and you know the applause and everything, and it's a drug that you can get nowhere else, Josh. You know when you fought, you fought in San Jose a lot. Mm -hmm. Those people knew you, they loved you, and they there's an adoration and a love that comes down, and you can feel it. And it's something that you can't you can't smoke it, you can't snort it, you can't shoot it in a vein. It does not come across the same way as that drug of when you either walk out to that cage or ring or when you win and you stand on that apron or you know get on top of the cage or you don't get that drug except in those moments. And I think both guys, this is why they can't stop. They they love that drug, but that's gone. That's not going to be part of this because there's not going to be fans. That's crazy. So you look and you go, that part of it isn't there. So it's a, it's a strange dynamic when you look at this fight and when they're going to do it. They should have just done a live feed to a YouTube channel and just charged for that. And they probably would have made more money to watch them spar. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm like honest. I'm just being honest. Like, hey, put me on to a YouTube channel that has millions of subscribers. ESPN. Hey, we'll do it on YouTube. ESPN's you know YouTube channel, and nine bucks to, to watch. You'll get hundreds of millions. I think <laughs> hundreds of millions of people watching. Well, I don't know if you get hundreds of millions, but you get a, you get a lot. You'll get a lot. You get a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's a world. Boxing is it translates worldwide. Yeah, you know, and you're, I think you're. I think you'll get. You would get, I would, you'd get more than two, three million people to watch. Oh yeah, you get. You'd I, th I think, I think you would get more than two million. Especially people to watch. and to watch them. That's spar. That's different than a hundred million. But though. the other thing though too is to watch them spar though. To watch them spar. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like that's that's the thing. Like you see, like them having fun, having them get after it. Like that to me would be more of something I would love to see between two legends than to see them go out there and put on expedition. It's like watching. It's like watching the NBA for the fucking what's it called? Their their the NBA Skills. star game, the star yeah. game or some shit. You know that one, and then also too like watching the Pro Bowl. They don't hit each other. They just, you know, like they don't even do kickoffs anymore. Like I didn't even watch. I didn't even watch it. They took the fun out of. It's not a real game anymore. That's kind of what we're getting a little but bit there, with this fight. There, there's something about. There's never Ali was universally loved as a fighter and person in boxing. You got to figure. You know, you go back with Ali and you look at a guy at a time when there was no social media. Do you realize what Ali's social media would have been? If it was around when he was fighting, here's a guy that was probably more well-known throughout the world than any other man at the time, be it presidents of the United States or, you know, leaders of other countries or you know, the monarchy in England. Ali. Mumbai. Mumbai, man, was, <laughs> yeah. he was probably the most well-known man before social media ever came about and was loved. But I, I think there came. The only other person I can think of that's that way was Michael Jordan. Well, yeah, Michael Jordan was there in a different sport, but I'm, I'm talking boxing wise. But you know, you take a look, Tyson. There was a there came a point where Ali people wanted him to stop, and it was like, you know, I don't want to watch you anymore. I don't want to see you get hurt. I don't think people will ever not stop and want to watch Mike Tyson. He's got that aura. He's got that thing about. You know, just the way he has the power in his hands and the way he comes in, he I don't care if he's 80 years old, people would stop to watch him. Yeah, I, here's the thing. I think the difference is, is that Tyson wasn't always the lovable creature. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, Ali was, you could love him, you could hate well, him. But you Ali, Ali wasn't the lovable creature in the he beginning either. He always had a, a good then, heart. Then, oh, he always had a thing. good heart. He had a good always. heart. That's yeah, yeah. Whereas Tyson, he had those Unless you were years. Joe Frazier. Yes, that's true. But in those years with Mike Tyson, though, Joe Frazier, I want you to know, paid for Ali, gave him money when Ali was mm -hmm. unable to fight because yeah, of yeah. the Vietnam thing, got him back, got him a license to fight, went and did things for him, and then gives him a title shot, beats him in the title shot. But when Ali, from that point, everything, once that fight was signed, he was an Uncle Tommy. Ali was brutal, oh. brutal. Ruthless. To a guy that only helped him, man. And you look and you go, Joe Frazier never forgave him. Yeah, I know. I heard that. Never forgave I heard him. About that. You know, and I, I, I do know, you know, and I know because I know people. I do know Ali actually in the end. He said that was one of my mistakes. Nah. You know, and you look and you go, ah, it's too bad. But you know, I loved Ali. I love Frazier. So, did you know Joe Frazier voted in Pennsylvania? <laughs> in Philly. He voted in Philly. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. They said that he voted. He's only in been Philly. dead since I think like, 2011. Jeez, man. Uh, All right. Well, hey, you know what? We're gonna wrap this up, you guys. Hit the YouTube channel. Hit the thumbs up. Share our videos to everyone. And why do we do that? So you guys don't have to look at Ariel Hawani and DC's faces on the side suggested boxes, as well as John Anik and Kenny Florian as well. Who are they? I don't know. <laughs> John taking this to heart, huh? Oh, I'm not, <laughs> Look, I'm bottom line is we appreciate you guys hitting the thumbs up, sharing our videos, copy and paste us anytime you guys are tag us. I mean, when you guys share our, our links and we will retweet them, repost them. And uh, we thank you guys for supporting our show. We have a lot of good news, hopefully coming up in the new years. Once we get this all locked down, we would really like, I'm excited to kind of share it with them, you know, but uh, 
There's some good stuff coming up, hopefully, for this new year coming in. And uh, Podcast Dave, you did a wonderful job today. Oh, wait, sorry, John, you did a wonderful job today. Thank you very much. <laughs> nice job, Dave. Good job, Dave. Good job. So, uh, also, pro wrestling. Good reboot time, too. Pro wrestling. Really good reboot time. Oh, yeah. Reboot, yes. <laughs> ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne In. And use the promo code FIT. FIT. <laughs> F-E-I-T-H-T. Use the promo code FIGHT. You get 20% off for the remainder of the year. Also, too, so you guys have Christmas gifts or anything you'd like to give someone that you know that watches our show, that maybe might be a good gift. We also just uploaded some four new shirts, a couple new colors. Also, the new weighing in. Uh, this is the one that I really like. The Terminator The one? Terminator yeah, one. Buddy. Very dope. Very dope. And then I also am more of a black and white person, as you can tell, is I like to wear a lot of black and white. Um, and we just uploaded a new black shirt with the black and white uh, weighing in logo. So check that one out as well. It's available on some more colors as well. So, John, I feel like there's only one less, one more thing for you to say. Yep, there is. See ya.